Welcome to The Pestle. Reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by Super Mario. Let me get this straight. A plumber crawled through sewer pipes to kill a turtle with a flamethrower to rescue a princess? I bet she was very happy about all of that. Now, let's dim the lights and start the show. Welcome everybody to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Simulate. Get energized for your day with the best coffee in town at Simulate. Welcome everybody to The Pestle. I am Wes. And I am Todd. And we are filmmakers <coughs> and I am getting over COVID. So uh, oh, wow. apologies if I don't edit every single cough out. Um, That's all right. We're filmmakers who like to... Uh, I don't know, analyze, break apart films to, to get better at what we do and as just film lovers and hopefully spread that joy of story. I think stories are one of the oldest things in humanity. It's probably uh, core to how we've gotten to where we are today as a society. I think uh, stories are the way we spread ideas and the way you know we're able to grow and understand the world and understand each other. And it, it's... It, of course it's entertaining that's a part and parcel um and that's why they spread and that's why they're so good at spreading ideas and so we love we love stories just like you do Mm -hmm. (laughs) find me a person who doesn't we have a lot to cover today and we're also doing a bonus episode after this and so if you're part of our patreon then you will be getting and hopefully you enjoyed the last few special releases that we pulled out of the archive uh, we have a lot more of that coming this year, and so if you're if you're in the Patreon, uh, buckle up. We are trying to create some really fun things for you. And so, yes, <laughs> what are we doing today? Todd? <laughs> it's gonna be a long one. It's gonna be a long one. Uh, yeah. So, so today we're covering Spider-Man: No Way Home. Uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, please pause this episode because I mean I know so- stuff has gotten spoiled for a lot of people already. But uh, pause the episode, go watch it, and then come back because we're going to spoil everything, even in the synopsis. So, Indeed. I do not like having things spoiled. And we will no, probably no. Touch and on I, that. I know. And I know it somewhat was for you, and that's that <laughs> yeah, sucks. That, that really sucks. sucks but. Yeah, but we'll talk about a few things. Uh, we'll look at some of the story and writing and uh, using humor, using humor to hide a weak setup and also uh, bucking the trend of superhero films and other such stuff and things and stuff. A quick synopsis of the film. When a spell goes wrong, dangerous foes from other worlds start to appear, forcing Peter to discover what it truly means to be Spider-Man. Directed by John Watts, written by Chris McKenna and Eric Summers. The cinematography by Mauro Fiore, starring Tom Holland as Peter Parker, Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker, Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker, <laughs> Zendaya as MJ, Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange, Jamie Foxx as Max, Thomas Hayden Church as Sandman, Alfred Molina as Dr. Otto Octavius, Willem Dafoe as Norman Osborn, and Marissa Tomei as Aunt May. You ready? I'm ready. Nice knowing you, Spider-Man. Wait, excuse me? The entire world's about to forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Everyone? Uh, can't some people still know? That's not how the spell works. So my girlfriend's just gonna forget about everything we've been through? I mean, is she even gonna be my girlfriend? All right, fine. Everyone in the world's gonna forget that you're Spider-Man, except your girlfriend. Thank you so much. Oh my god, Ned. Okay, let's not change the parameters of this spell anymore while I'm casting Okay, I'm done, it. I'm done. I-, I swear I'm done, I'm done. Nah, but my Aunt May should really know. You just stop talking to me. 
so we can get one thing out of the way real quick, <laughs> which is that, I mean, I, here's the thing. I don't know if there's a good way to get us into this scenario because the payoff is so good, but the setup is so bad. Like it's just really weak. And we talked about it before, like how they use humor to kind of, you know, ninja hands their way out of, uh, any actual, you know, Kung Fu or uh, whatever ninjas do. Um, and it's just kind of, don't look too closely at the plot devices, uh, because it'll upset you. It's just techno babble. It's meaningless. And they're just trying their best, uh, to make you laugh in order to forget how incredibly mindless the, the, the setup is. But that aside, uh, I assume you, like me walked in largely not knowing what was going to happen. And so what was your experience like kind of going through, you know, uh, Spider-Man? Well, the first up until about that point, it was awful. I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I was like, this is the worst fucking Spider-Man I've ever seen. Uh, Dr. Strange was a total waste of space because he was like just there for exposition until that point literally to explain everything to everyone and i was just being spoon-fed garbage for the first 20 minutes or so however long it took to get into that 25 minutes but then after that it was fantastic after that when stuff started happening it was amazing it was just like it was like they had this great idea and they didn't give a shit how they got there that was the problem for me yeah and and look i at first, I was really annoyed by by Peter Parker, by Tom Holland's Peter Parker. I was so annoyed. I was like, like this kid is so just clueless and like, okay. It, so I, I tried to forgive that though because look, he's a kid. You know, mm-hmm. the, it's it's easy to forget that Spider Man is a is a a kid who really, even though he you know fights bad guys and stuff, doesn't really know a whole lot. Uh, you know about the world like he's just he's like or or like he's not as he's i don't know bottom line he he was he was a kid and so i tried to forgive that scene in particular where you know you go to ask dr strange to do something that's otherworldly and he's doing it and you keep changing stuff it's like couldn't you think about that beforehand but i have kids and i know how it is and i know that that is something that kids you know that kids do, they change stuff in midstream and like it, you know, that it is a thing that kids do. So I tried to forgive that as much as I could, but you know, this isn't his first rodeo too. He is a kid, but he's not, I mean, he's done so much. He's been so many places. He's lost people. He's saved lives. He is not a kid at the same time as being a kid. So I could at the same time as trying to forgive it because I want to love this movie I still was pissed off that they they dumbed him down to a normal version of a of a high school kid and he's never been that you know this this whole time he never been that so so in the end it was still absolutely infuriating how they got there but then after they got there it was so rewarding that I that I just I just block out the first 20 minutes of the film forget about it completely and almost anything that Doctor Strange is in in this film, I try to ignore it. I don't mm-hmm. like any. The only time you see him is when he's explaining shit to you. Like even during fight scenes, he's explaining where they are, you know, or or why things are happening with the way they're happening. It's just constant exposition. 
that is not necessary. And it's almost cooler when it's not there. I mean, when we see Daredevil in that scene, there's not a whole lot that he explains. He explains when he um, when he's like, you know, Peter's lawyer. Right. Um, he explains enough, but he just kind of does stuff. Right. Like he he, he catches the brick, you know, before, as it flies through the window. And I thought that that's that's all you need, you know, something like that. And so that's a it's a really cool and purposeful, you know, gives him a purpose for being there other than just being his lawyer. You know, he's like this. I don't know. It, it kind of explains who he is. And so I, I just feel like they 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 really shat on Dr. Strange's character the entire time. And the first 25 minutes were just fluff to get you into the place where all the cool stuff could happen. And it didn't need to be. That's the problem. It's like there are so many things you could do to make this really cool and make the reason this happened more than just Peter being an idiot. Right. Which is the whole reason all of this happens is because of him. But the whole reason that, you know, he, you know, the whole world knows who he is, is because of the the last film. And so it just, everything is his fault. And it doesn't feel right because um, it normally, you know, like um, in the past, Spider-Man films, people look at him, um, people who don't like him look at him as a vigilante, but it's not his fault. Like he's literally saving lives, but he's getting shat on while doing good. This is different. This is like, no, it's everything is your fault, Peter. Everything. This is all you. And so you, you have to fix it. You have to sacrifice and you have to fix it because it is your fault. But the whole, like, even, even from the last movie, it it just kind of like rolls over and it, it just doesn't, doesn't feel right, which I guess maybe is a good point for, you know, kind of like making it a little bit different where, where it is his fault. So he does have to fix it, but it's just so annoying to get you into that place um, in that first 25 minutes of the film that it's kind of hard to let go. Yeah. I think I had a similar, maybe even a worse reaction than you did. Um, oh, yeah. because for me, even I'd go even further. Uh, the first half of the film, uh, is mm. mostly trash. Certainly you're right. Like the, the first 20, 25 minutes are just unbearable. It's so hokey. It's corny. The, the humor is just kind of the sitcom style humor where, uh, you might as well just turn to the camera and say a catchphrase. Like they were one step away from, <laughs> from, from mm-hmm. doing that, you know, and it just was brutal. I mean, they have that whole little love, try uh, love thing between may and happy, um, which I don't know where that came from. Maybe I, uh, I blacked out the last movie, uh, far from home, uh, which I could not stand maybe, but if they established some kind of romance there, I completely forgot about it. But either way, I just don't think it was necessary. It didn't add anything. I think it was just their attempt to build up her tragedy, right? When Whenever she dies by giving her more ties to the world and giving her kind of this, I don't know, trying to round out her character. Because otherwise, she, especially this version of May, is very, I mean, she, it's not her fault. Marissa Tomei is an incredible actor, um, but there's just not much to her. Uh, and so this movie is like, hey, let's give her a mission and let's really build out her world so that when we crush her, um, she's dying for something and it hurts that much more uh, to see her hopes and dreams kind of ironically backfire and be the reason of her doom, her demise. And so even with all that, her death for me felt really flat. I just I didn't care. And so everything before 
the the Spider-Mans finally show up to me was just I would have cut, tried to cut out 30 maybe 40 minutes out of that out of the opening like let's mm-hmm. get a lot more efficient with this and 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 chop out a lot of the stuff. I probably would have cut out all the college admission stuff. I think there's a lot of other simple easy ways to ruin your friends lives without taking 15 minutes to talk about, you know, whether or not we got into our safety colleges and our backup college and MIT, like, wow, y'all are laboring. So shallow. (laughs) It's just garbage. And then on top of that, I guess uh, maybe they didn't, maybe it was explained in the last film. Again, the fact that they blipped out for five years. Cause I'm like, yo, y'all been sitting in line for uh, high school for a really hot minute now, but the blip, I get it. That's a factor that, Oddly, out of all the exposition that they did in this, they forgot to kind of circle back and say, hey, here's why we're still in high school um, after, you know, the last six years or whatever. And so, (laughs) yeah, but once the Spider-Men show up, this thing is off to the races. Uh, Mm -hmm. Everything about it uh, turns to gold and all that painful stuff has a lot of payoff. It's just I think you, you have a much better film instead of a two and a half hour movie with an hour and 40 hour and 45 minute movie, you get leaner, you get, you get that set up. How was it for you seeing Andrew Garfield, you know, pull the, pull the mask off? What was, what was that like for you? I was, it was awesome. So I was in a, I was in, um, I was in a theater here in San Rafael and we were surrounded by a bunch of high school kids. And I was like, Oh my God, this is, this is going to be awful. And they're, talking and stuff and it's like whatever but it turned out to be pretty awesome (laughs) because when when andrew garfield walked through the the portal they they erupted like they went nuts and it was it was so it was and i totally i had zero idea that that would happen zero i i had you know because i avoided you know trailers pretty much and and everything and uh but the trailers are actually good because they didn't really give anything like that away Anyway, they erupted and it was great. It was really great. And then when Toby came through, they stood up and started <laughs> screaming, like cheering. And that made me want to do that. I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. Cause I, I didn't, I mean, I didn't expect to, um, Andrew. And then went after a minute or two, I was like, wait a minute, if he's coming through, you know, I thought about it, but I didn't, you know, whatever. Anyway. And I didn't expect that to happen. I wasn't like looking for that. I just thought, oh, that'd be interesting. And so it was just really cool where we, where I was watching it to be surrounded by a bunch of kids who were excited about old Spider-Mans, about Toby and, uh, and it just, it was really, really cool. And there was still really annoying, you know, throughout most of the film because they were like, you know, not quiet necessarily, but that moment was, I, I don't think I'm going to forget that anytime soon. It was really, really fun. Sounds magical. Yeah, it, it felt, it felt magical. Just that moment of, of, of kind of like, it was like a, uh, I felt a connection to the next generation in a way, right. Where they were, they were excited about something that was, that was my day, right. Yeah. That was, I mean, when was, yeah. when was Toby Spider-Man? That was, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. Something, <laughs> something ages insane. Ago. Yeah. Yeah. The dude ages well, by the way. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I gotta say. 
And then all the conversations that they had with each other throughout, like the the kids, the younger kids were giggling at some points. And I was like, oh, they get it. This is cool. It just felt, it felt really good. Yeah. What about you? That's really cool. I, so I saw the first preview and I saw Doc Ock and I was excited because I'm like, oh, they're bringing back Doc Ock and they're keeping Alfred Molina. That's incredible. What a, what a great decision. Absolutely. Um, and I was really excited about that. It never dawned on me that this was a multiverse thing mm-hmm. until my roommate, the the Spider-Man nerd. I don't think about Marvel films um, virtually at all. Like I kind of just show up and whatever happens is going to happen. The last, the only time I've had any thoughts about like where I'm not watching it and I'm excited about it was between Infinity War and Endgame. I, my mind was spinning out over that, whatever year and a half uh, waiting for it to get released. Cause I was like, what are they going to do? How do they solve this problem? They have such a, a difficult thing to solve. But other than that, I virtually spend zero of my time thinking about the MCU or um, what characters are going to do next. Um, I kind of just show up because it's, it's popcorn and I love it. I, and so my roommate on the other hand, he 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 thinks about this stuff a lot and so he worked out i don't know i assume on his own that this was a multiverse thing because of dr strange involved his involvement he i think he worked out that it was a multiverse and then by extension of that logic he he was having a conversation with me he was like man i think they're gonna bring back you know andrew garfield um and i was like wait what and he's like yeah i mean it's got to be the multiverse and blah 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 and so that completely like shut down whenever he pulls his mask off. Uh, I was just waiting for it. Um, and so I w- everyone else in the room exploded. Uh, and I was like, oh. oh, this was supposed to be a moment. You asshole. And I'm sitting next to him in the theater, by the way. We almost never go to movies together. But I don't look at him. I don't say anything. I don't give him a hard time. Um, in my, my heart though, Uh I murdered him (laughs) death. Um, and so the thing I didn't know was whether or not they're going to bring back Toby. And so I was like, okay, now let's see, are they going to bring him back? And I love that they did two different reveals, one where he pulls the mask off and one where he just steps through in, in street clothes. I thought that was a great decision so that you can't do the same thing twice. Uh, this is a pretty hard rule that some people violate to their detriment. But if you're going to do a thing, don't do it the same way twice. And so by switching it from, okay, we're pulling his mask off. That's a really nice reveal because you take your time and you're waiting for Peter Parker, uh, Tom Holland's face. And whenever he pulls the mask and you see it's not him, that's a nice, incredible reveal that it's okay to take your time getting there. Whereas the next reveal you there's no reason to take your time that buildup is gone now instead of you know a big wind up just throw the uh, the uppercut like just hit us as quick as possible and so for him them to open open the portal and he just steps through it's just like a whole it's out it's a great decision to get more punchy at that moment instead of taking your time because there's so many other great reveals and revelations to have you it's it's a really good combo and so that one hit me a little bit more and i got excited at that point but it's different it hits different whenever you just have no idea what's going on and you have no expectation or anticipation uh, to just show up and have that this is why we give a spoiler warning at the at the start of every one of these things like 
that's an experience I never get to have, like short of me getting a, a case of amnesia. And even then, right, you can't build up that history all over again of going to the movies as a, you know, young man, seeing these guys and growing up with them. And like, it's, it, it's fine. Like, it's one of the greatest, <laughs> it's probably one of like the three greatest cinematic uh, moments in, in recent history, you know? Yeah. And so anyway uh yeah that that sucks man because it i had zero idea it did not enter my mind at least like even in the slightest and so it was like it was it was a great moment for me and it sucks that you didn't get that would you do you think that you would have gotten it had he not said anything you you probably wouldn't have thought at all right never i'm also a little clueless like i kind of like when i go into movies i kind of just i i I mean, it's pretty easy for me, but I just empty my brain completely. Yeah. I empty my expectations. I empty my my thoughts of what's coming next. I literally am a sponge and I just let it like hit me. Uh, so even if I would have, you know, kind of, sus- no, I just never would have suspected that for whatever reason. I did, you know, you just unplug and you're there. Yeah. And if, uh, if, if I'm not unplugged, that means it's a bad uh, movie because I'm thinking, right? So like the first 30 minutes of this movie, 25 minutes of this movie, I'm like, oh, I just, this is so bad that I can't release my mind because you're throwing garbage at me and I've got to block it, you know? So anyway. That's true. Sorry, that sucks. For me, Andrew Garfield, once he was on screen, he stole the film. Like... I agree. I, I've always loved this guy ever since um, Never Let Me Go. That's when I kind of discovered him. And I started watching his old films. He has this really old film called Boy A that he was fantastic in. That was kind of, I want to say, like his breakout. Small little indie film no one's ever seen. But it kind of demonstrated his chops. And I've just watched this guy. And I kept, I've always been waiting for him to kind of break out to this next level. And I thought Spider-Man was going to be that for him. And ultimately, you know, it just didn't work out. Partly uh, because they, they weren't great movies. I just loved him in that role. So it, they, they worked for me, but not because they were necessarily good writing or anything like that. And here he's just incredible. Like even his introduction where he's kind of having this back and forth with MJ, right. Where she's making him demonstrate his powers and he jumps up and touches the ceiling and just kind of hangs there. And she's like, I, I need you to crawl around. He's like, this is enough. Um, no, it's not. It is. It is. It's enough. <laughs> like, and yeah. they just kind of have this great back and forth. His demeanor is so freaking good. And um, the way he's like the sensitive Spider-Man, um, he's uh, all up in his feelings and they have that great back and forth. This, I feel like was, I feel like this was a really good demonstration of like non-toxic masculinity right where you have three guys with the same power and they're not competing you know they admire each other and it's excitement for each other and they're they're building each other up and there's that great little exchange where uh they're all talking about their their villains that they fought and one's talking about fighting an alien the other one's like yeah man i i fought an alien too both on earth and in space whoa you fought one in space and Spider-Man three is like, Oh man, y'all are so cool. And I'm so lame. And (laughs) I don't know what to call, I guess Spider-Man two, Peter Parker two is like, Hey, can we just go back to you saying you're lame? You're not lame, but it's just the self-talk. You know, I think we should work on that. And it's just like, they're they're working out each other's kind of uh, psychology. And like, I know your problems because I am you. 
we we deal with the same stuff. And so I know there's something better. Don't give up on that. Don't give up on love and blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's all these, I don't know. I, I don't know a better way to put it in uh, just this non-toxic version of how to be a hero and how to be uh, an adult who takes care of other people while also working out how to take care of yourself. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's a really <laughs> fascinating and largely untapped source of, of drama that you don't see much of. Normally, it's all about how do I carry this weight of being a hero and protecting my loved ones. Um, but it's very rarely about protecting yourself and how to live your your best life, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. It's incredible. And Andrew Garfield, I thought, just carried that the best. He gives a lot of opportunity to the other characters. Um, and even, even when he's frustrated because, uh, they're, they're having their little, uh, conversation on the statue of like, Hey, we got to get it together. And it's like, and this is confusing. You know, I'm, I'm Spider-Man one, I'm Spider-Man two. And he just kind of throws his hands up. I'm Spider-Man three. <laughs> like, Cause he's just frustrated <laughs> at being number three. Uh, the last one is so good because it's, it's almost like, they're being ranked in their movie order of goodness of Spider-Man history. And so we're all kind of saying Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man. Tobey Maguire was the second one. And Andrew Garfield is the third one. He's like, fine, I'll freaking own it. That was me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so there's just a lot kind of packed into that little moment. And his performance just really carries it. And it's so freaking funny. And of course, his best moment is... What saving MJ? The saving MJ. It just is. <laughs> oh man, the whole and that's another moment where the whole theater erupted when yeah they let him save her was because Tom Holland's Spider Man couldn't. It was almost better than him being able to 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 save. Uh, who was it? It Gwen? wasn't MJ in his in Gwen. his Gwen. Gwen. Yeah, thank you. It was almost better than him being able to save Gwen. With, like doing something that this current Spider-Man couldn't do. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was, it was just, just made up for everything. It was so wonderful. <laughs> it was. That. And they set it up really smoothly because they set it up during their introduction. When they all three meet, they're on top of that school building or whatever it was with Tom Holland, with Peter Parker one. And this is where May's death starts to pay off for me because when she actually died, I was thinking about grocery shopping. Like I was just not present. Um, And then whenever they show up and he's like, y'all don't understand. And they start telling their stories because uh, Spider-Man two couldn't save May, right? May dies and, and uncle Ben dies and they both talk about that. And then in that same breath, he talks about not being able to save Gwen And that's such a great moment because they really sit on that moment for a while. It's not like they rush through it. They allow the death of May to finally start to take a toll on Peter Parker and then kind of revive your memory about what they've been through as well. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. Uncle Ben did die. Um, May did die. And I don't remember Gwen dying, to be honest. I I need to go back and rewatch that. But but just I it, it really didn't even matter because. His performance, Andrew Garfield's performance was so good. He's just mm-hmm. so in tune with that, with that, I don't know, that character and his emotions um, and his ability to try to restrain the emotion makes it bleed through and punch that much harder instead of giving into it. Yeah. It really, it's the restraint that makes emotion po- 
poke through and make people like kind of identify with you because they see what you're dealing with and they see that you, you, you know, what you're trying to not do. Um, and that just has so much weight behind it. And it connects you so much between the three characters and also makes you feel that much more for uh, uh, Spider-Man one because mm-hmm. it's so fresh for him. And so at that point, I really love that they didn't rush May's death because normally characters die in a movie and literally 30 to 60 seconds later, everyone's laughing and they're on to the next thing. But here they really let that kind of have its place and have its moment without, you know, exacerbating it in a way that felt disingenuous. Um, yeah. It, it, it rang true. It felt organic, I guess. Um, and one of, one of the reasons why I thought, well, I, I thought I like Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Same. You know, I mm-hmm. think he's a great actor and I thought that he he played the sorrow really well. But yeah. I, they beat the shit out of him. I loved that. Like he was for the rest of the movie, he's beaten up. He's got he's got, you know, a, a bloody eye. He, like he's got a, a vein that's burst in his eye. And it's I think that that is that's like another level um, that I don't really see in a lot of movies because like, yeah, they'll have a cut. But then in the next scene, it's like bandaged up and it's like almost an afterthought. But he no, he's got scrapes on his face. He's got a bloody eye. He's got bruises everywhere, whatever, like like cuts everywhere. And they don't take they don't let it go away. They leave it on him. So even at the end, you know, like after they've won, he's still beaten the hell up. And so be but that also allows, you know, his emotion to come through a lot more when we see him on that that rooftop of of man, he's just he's really hurt. You know, like physically, we can we can feel that pain because of the burst blood vessel in his eye, like a lot. He's obviously a great actor when it comes to that kind of stuff, but yeah, but we can feel it a lot because of what they did to him, and they allowed him to be hurt for the rest of the film. I loved that. I thought it was great. Yeah, that's a great decision. Yeah, I yeah, I hadn't really thought about it that way, but you're absolutely right. It it makes him more vulnerable to see yeah. him physically beat up and it completely ties into his emotional journey, especially at the end when Osborne is now putting him to the test when he's like, not going to wait for your friends. And he's like, no, I want to kill you myself. Like yeah. you never hear Spider-Man be so vulgar and, and his violence yeah. and Willem Dafoe, which by the way, Willem Dafoe and Alfred Molina were doing some really heavy lifting on the script um, because they gave them a lot of junk lines, but man, they just maximized all of it. And Willem Dafoe is just legend. Um, yeah. And his response whenever, you know, Peter Parker says that is, boy!" Like, he's just, it's yeah. so good. Um, yeah. And he does, he really starts moving in for the kill before... The another beautiful moment happens where Tobey Maguire's character, uh, Spider-Man 2, uh, jumps in the way and stares him down. And you know that one cannot overtake the other. They're yeah. at a they're at a standstill until, you know, Spider-Man 1 realizes this is not the right thing to be doing, um, yeah. which he doesn't until the sacrifice comes clear. Right. Whenever Osborne tries to kill um, Spider-Man 2. And now there's an impetus. Uh, there's a it's 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 a wake up call. Like, okay, he's right. It's worth fighting for, dying for, what have you. Um, and at that point, um, everything changes. Right? He gets to stab him in the neck pretty good, but it, yeah. but it does uh, <laughs> save him. Um, yeah. 
And I mean, on that on that note, I mean, there's a lot of techno babble. Obviously, we talked about how the messed up spell is senseless, uh, but the equally senseless are the cures. The only cure that really kind of makes any sense is Doc Ox, right? Because if you recall Spider-Man 2, um, the movie with Doc Ock, his neck thing fries out. It gets overpowered by the the AI and the arms or whatever is going on there. I don't remember all the story beats. And so fixing that is the only one that made any sense to me. I don't know what they gave Osborne like meds. Like I, I don't know what his real problem was. Right. Um, and this whole movie felt like they were trying to comment and have a conversation about helping the homeless and the mentally ill. Right. Because you had these displaced people who aren't themselves. The goal of Peter is let's, it's better if we just send them home. Like I, I can't help them. We should just send them home. And may throws it back in his face. Like, better for who for you and he's being challenged to not just look the other way and to do nothing he's being challenged uh to do more and i think it that it's in that way and it's it's why it works for me enough that i don't care about the techno babble because they for one they do a decent job of not focusing too much on that stuff right it's just stuff happening in the background while they're building up their chemistry as a team right with Ned and MJ and the three Spider-Men, they're working on stuff. Can you run diagnostics? And that's about the extent of it. You've seen other movies do this same thing, but they really belabor this nonsensical, oh, it's not working. Um, run it up to 20%. It's not enough. 80%. It'll never work at 80%. And none of it means absolutely anything. You know, it's just, it, it's complete what I, what's normally termed as techno babble. It's meaningless jargon unobtainium it's adamantium like these are just nonsense words that we use because it it, you need something to stand in for what the characters are doing because it's not grounded in reality right and so i like that they don't focus too much on that and that they're working on instead reversing something that superhero movies aren't really good about which is normally it's all about the tragic fall of good people right Look at this person who is trying to do something good, whether that's Spider-Man or one of the villains. Doc Ock is a really good example. And it got out of hand. It got out of control. And now Spider-Man has to make a, a difficult decision to kill him for the greater good, right? I, I have to take him down or else he's going to hurt a bunch of people. And they've traditionally, I think, tried to do a good job of making him not a murderer. Instead, uh, challenging them and having them be their own undoing. And that's traditionally been the the, the route to go with Spider-Man. Um, but most superhero movies are all about, I am the reluctant warrior. I'm going to do what needs to be done, which is I'm going to kill this person, even though I don't really want to kill them. Uh, but they won't stop. And mm-hmm. what, what happens uh, when a bad guy refuses to put down the gun um, and, and to stop killing people? Well, they get killed. That's That's how the world works. And that's how it works in these movies. Instead... This is the, maybe the first superhero movie that isn't about that kind of tragic journey. Instead, this is where heroes unintentionally damage a bunch of people. But instead, it's about cleaning up your mess and helping broken people. Because mm-hmm. to your point earlier, it's not his fault. Like, all these villains weren't created by him. He didn't choose to create Doc Ock or Osborne or... Uh, Max or the Sandman. He didn't do any of that. They did that to themselves. And now we're going to kind of reverse out and say, instead of stopping them, 
maybe this is the time where we actually heal things, where we, where we fix things, which is, of course, perfectly reflected in the dialogue whenever MJ says, no, 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 no. let's go kick some ass. <laughs> and and uh, Spider-Man 2 is like, cure some ass, cure that ass, you know, Ned. Uh, and so they're, they're reframing the idea from violence to helping people, helping loved ones. Um, and that's, that's, I don't remember seeing that kind of done too much. It's usually we're trying to help you and you get yourself killed anyway. Well, mm-hmm. what, what happens whenever you heal a bunch of people? Um, in this case, it's what they're getting at. I think is Spider-Man in doing so also heals himself, heals his, um, psyche and doesn't feel like a failure in a piece of the garbage. And so those are good things. I think. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I I did love that. And the I loved that he would have failed had another Spider-Man not stepped in and stopped him. Yeah. As in, you know, that moment was also another wonderful moment. I mean, this film is just full of like, it's so dichotomy. There's such a dichotomy going on because so much of it is just like trash and, and you know, exposition for the sake of it and and everything. And then you have these moments that are like, oh my God, thank you for giving me that moment. Now I have that that I can take with me and talk to people about because it like was like such a such a good a good thing. It made me feel so good. Um and I feel like there were twelve of those, right? In the film, which, you know, is is worth going through all the other bull crap, I guess, to get to, but it was just a shame that like those that bull crap didn't need to happen, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I I there's a really great point about that. I mean, you know, you, you think of films like Batman and with, with the Joker and it's like you, you brought up a good point. What do you do when they won't stop? You know, you just want to shake them and say, stop. But what about when they don't, when they just want to see the world burn, you know, as per the Joker, what do you do? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And, and, and Tom Holland's uh, Spider-Man didn't know either. And so he was just going to end it. He's just mm-hmm. going to say, okay, well, you won't stop. I got to kill you. And, uh, and for, for, for Toby to be the one to save him was like, just so, of course it had to be, it had to be, you know, they just redeemed everybody in this film. They just gave everybody moments and it, it was, it was fantastic. Yeah. So great point. Really good because it calls to, he, in both hands, he had two options, one of healing him or one of revenge and vengeance. And I love that they made him take that choice and he failed. You never mm-hmm. get to see in this situation, Spider-Man fail mm-hmm. to, to be the good guy. And so it's really satisfying to see that both he failed and that he also didn't fail in a way that left him irredeemable. And of course, like you said, the one who stops him being Toby Maguire Spider-Man uh, was very poetic. It's just perfect. Yeah. And then it adds such a rich layer of um, symbolism and, yeah. and meaning. Yeah, I loved it. And then, of course, at the end, he makes everyone forget him, which, again, doesn't really make sense why they need to forget Peter Parker. Um, I guess whatever. It's what the script called for is the, is the best you know you can really do. But there is a nice little visual storytelling element at the very end where he's at the coffee shop and he sees MJ and he's debating whether or not to tell her who he is. And he doesn't. And it's because of the Band-Aid. He, mm-hmm. you know, sees the Band-Aid and it reminds him that he puts his loved ones in danger 
Um, and what I like about this moment is it's pure visual storytelling. They never say what he's thinking out loud. Yes. They just let the audience think it for him. And in that way, it's much more powerful. And it takes a lot of trust in your audience um, to to just leave it at that. Well, you've pretty much explained everything via words. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> until that point. Jeez. You know, give me some kind of visual storytelling, please. Yeah, I loved and they didn't they didn't shit on that moment with words. They just yeah. allowed it to to kind of happen. And if you don't get it, you haven't been watching the movie anyway. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So I don't know. I mean, I I, I agree with you. It's a pretty mixed bag. Uh, the the payoffs, the, the the good moments are just incredible. And it's so weird that they couldn't figure out how to write the first half of this movie in a way that even if you wanted to keep that runtime, just I don't the joke's got to be better. I think that's that's kind of what it comes down to. You need funnier, wittier jokes that are more endearing. And I don't know how these same two writers have failed to do that for the past two films. Homecoming is excellent. It holds up. If you go back and rewatch it, it's hilarious. It's endearing. It's everything you're wanting a Spider-Man movie to be. And then after that, it's 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 none of those things. It's uh, it's struggling to figure mm-hmm. out how to be itself. And I don't know if this is the Tony Stark effect, if the lack of Robert Downey Jr. makes everything less uh, funny, if they were borrowing a lot of his own personal wit. That's my suspicion. Uh, I can't prove it, but I, I think, you know, he brings so much more than you can generate without him. And so I don't know. I don't know how to fix a non Robert Downey Jr. world, um, <laughs> but, but I don't like living in it. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Yeah. Um, that, I, that's it. That, that's all I got, man. Uh, I, I I thought the moments were uh, some of the moments were fantastic. But yeah, uh, almost all the exposition was just you know very frustrating. Doctor Strange, who I really, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm lukewarm on him in general as a character, but, um, and I love Benedict Cumberbatch, but I just don't, I'm, I don't know, I've never really been crazy Doctor Strange guy of him, like his version of it. So, but I thought his, his character was just a wash. And then the first, you know, 30 minutes were just garbage, but I still, because of those iconic moments, I still, you know, loved it. And I still had a, a great time at the theater. Yeah. You know, that's what I remember. I had a great time at the theater. So yeah, thank you for giving me that Marvel. Appreciate that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I mean, my last moments, it's funny because I, I do like Dr. Strange. I, I've been kind of reworking the last couple of weeks through some of the, the MCU. I think maybe it's because of watching this in the theater last month. Um, I was just like, oh, I wouldn't mind going back through kind of the, uh, the Avengers road, um, to get to infinity ward. So I watched the first Avengers assemble and then winter soldier. And then I'm now I'm going to go and watch the entire phase three, uh, which starts with civil war. And then I, last night I watched Dr. Strange and it's really good. I love yeah. it. It's yeah. a really good movie. And I'm curious to see what they do with him next. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. My problem was that he's, he's, I like his own stuff. Like I, I liked his uh, orient, his like you know, yeah. um, his the first film with him or his orientation or whatever it is, his yeah. establishing film. I didn't, I did like that. But as a, as a supporting character, hmm. they write him very 
yeah explanatory right like just just you know he's he knows more than everyone else so he's going to explain everything to everyone it's like no you know where where he especially where he went to become dr strange like you know the people he was working with they're very you know things just happen you know like they're they're and so it, it just doesn't feel like they write him well when he's a supporting character but in yeah. his own films, it feels like, okay, they're more tuned into who he is, right? Is, is that, yeah. that ring a bell for you? Does I, that sound yeah, right? I agree with that. I think that makes perfect sense. Uh, and I, I feel the same way now that okay. you pointed out. And there's, uh, so my last few things that I want to point out, I guess, they get into the mirror dimension in this movie and they reduce it to math. Like, it's just geometry. Yeah, all right, sure. That that's so nonsense. And now he can he can beat Doctor Strange in Doctor Strange's world with math. I no, just no. there's just no way. But thank you. Uh, and then there's another joke that I I don't want to go through joke by joke all the, the lame ones. No, yeah. But there is one that was just really confused me. Is that the, they laugh at Doctor Otto Octavius's name, like oh, I. God. I don't understand why that's supposed to be funny. Like it's just blatant, obviously on his face. Funny is a mystery. He's got multiple arms. I don't. Yeah. I mean, but they don't even make that joke of, uh, Doc Ock, like an octopus, uh, or they don't connect that dot at all. It's just, your name is funny. Ha ha. That that's ridiculous. But I did really like it at the end where they do a really good job of giving everyone motivations, of the Sandman, right, is there because he just wants to go home. Max is there because he wants to stay. In order to do that, he needs to destroy the box. Um, so there's a lot of conflict going on. Um, one person wants to trigger the box. One person wants to destroy the box. And then Doc Ock shows up and he just wants to help because, you know, he's better now. I don't really know what the Lizard Man's game is, but glad he's there. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I just really appreciated that that all gelled together pretty well for me and was, I don't know, pretty nice storytelling, oh. I guess. But cool. there there was one meta joke that I thought was really, really good, actually, which was whenever <laughs> they're in the dungeon and the lizard man sees Peter and MJ together and he says, no way, that's his girlfriend. No way. Um <laughs> That's hilarious because in real life, Tom Holland is dating Zendaya. Um, And that's pretty much everyone's reaction when they find out they're dating is no way Zendaya is dating Tom Holland. No way. No way. (laughs) And so I found that really, really hilarious. Um, Yeah. Anyway, so... Nice. What uh, what are you going to recommend this week? So, yeah. So this week, uh, it kind of went back and forth between a few different options, but I... I just happened to turn this on and I sent, I sent you a text about it and I don't know, you might be lukewarm on it or whatever, but, um, over the holidays and, and I, I had no idea what it was at all. Never heard of it. So going into it completely blind, I absolutely adored it. I loved it. And I thought it was, it was, it hit on a lot of like really, really important things in a very unique way that if you don't, if you don't know a trailer or know anything about it, that you kind of that make you think like you're not really sure until you know halfway in like oh maybe i should question this actually so anyway i'm going to recommend encounter it's streaming on amazon 
Amazon Prime, and and it's got uh, Riz Ahmed in it, and he is, I mean, a force, bro. I mean, this the the same guy who was in Sound of Metal, who also that film broke me. Uh, it it he's so good, like makes me want to be an actor just so that I could try to do something like he like him because he just he just is amazing. Uh, anyway, loved the film. The the kids, there are a couple of kids in it. They're really great too. And I just, yeah, I adored it. And it was a, a surprise for me because I'd never heard of it. And I was like, oh, Encounter, space movie or something, Aliens. Yeah, sounds good. Let's do it. Yeah, and the way that they, they do it, like the opening scene is, it, yeah, it's really good. I enjoyed it. I think that you will too, especially if you've never heard of it. Nice. So I'm going to recommend an HBO show called Mayor of Easttown. It's starring, of course, Kate Winslet, but it also has the the girl in Spider-Man, in all three Spider-Man films, who plays the character Betty. And if you don't know who Betty is, she's one of those students who does the the student, she's in like the, I forget what you call it, the AV club or whatever, where she's the, the news anchor for the school, right? And she's like with her buddy um, who tries to ask her to prom in one of them. And she's like, no, and she like shoots him uh-huh. down. And, and in Spider-Man, she just feels she's kind of a throwaway side character, if that, right? But what you might not know is she's actually like a really incredible actor. And she has a much bigger role in Mayor of Easttown. And she's fantastic. And then, okay. of course, Kate Winslet is also fantastic. Uh, and there is some other like thematic elements that tie into the Spider-Man universe. Uh, it's about a, a, a detective who used to be something and she's got a really home wrecked life now she has to solve uh a murder and blah blah blah. like on its face it sounds like every other true uh crime novella that you've ever seen and it basically is and it's it's just excellent and yet cool it's fantastic okay Um, and so mayor of east town it's a limited series um so if you don't want to stick to it for you know five seasons you don't have to it's like eight episodes or something yeah so check that out Stay tuned for next week. We're going to be covering uh, the Netflix movie Don't Look Up. And so if you have Netflix, go check that out and get up to date. And yeah, we'll be talking about that soon. And so uh, don't forget, drop us a note, leave us a review. Don't forget to subscribe. Um, if you want to leave a note on this episode in particular, you can do that at thepestlepodcast.com slash Spider-Man No Way Home. And our quote of the day today is from Mother Teresa. The hunger for love is much more difficult to remove than the hunger for bread. So true. That's amazing. Wow. She's good, man. What made you pull that? So I was just thinking about May and Mother Teresa, um, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of Mm -hmm. having these similar goals of helping people. And I was just curious what thousand things Mother Teresa has said. And she's she's an interesting human being because she's not perfect. I know we kind of have we usually present the good evil spectrum on a scale of uh, Hitler to mother Teresa, Mm -hmm. but she's not actually as pure and perfect as you know, you may think, or at least uh, depending on your worldview, I will say it probably comes down to that as well. And so, but even within that, she still has a lot of wisdom and you know, she, she certainly put her money where her mouth is when it comes to serving. And that, that idea of the hunger for love is much more difficult uh, to remove um, than, you know, hunger for bread. I love that because I think it applies to all these villains. Ultimately, most of these villains were 
were less than probably out of some psychological uh, depth. And I think a lot of whether it's addiction or, you know, things that we try to accomplish in life that lead to our destruction are born out of a lack of love and a lack of uh, self-love and uh, the ability to accept yourself and accept the world. And it's out of that need and out of that desert on the inside that you you extend yourself and, and try to uh, patch those, those holes and water that dead ground. Um, and trying to fix those things is incredibly hard. And I thought that's ultimately what they were trying to do in this movie by fixing their wrongs was it's not just about stopping these people it's also you know about helping them be better than they than they are right now and that's the real victory the victory isn't we've stopped evil the victory is we've cured evil through good and i think that's really profound awesome Matt. great quote from a great person that's that's awesome man well, thank you guys so much for joining us. I mean, I don't have I don't have anything to add to that. That's that's the best thing I think we could leave this uh, this episode on. Love over bread. Uh, thank you guys again for joining us. I, I had a great time talking about this. Um, hopefully, you guys did too. Uh, make sure to join us next week. We're going to do uh, Don't Look Up. So watch that on Netflix. It is streaming and review us and share us with your friends and uh, and all that stuff. Every little bit helps. And uh, if you if you uh, are so inclined, we do have a Patreon that helps us uh, a little bit to get, you know, keep bringing these things to you and uh, let us know what you'd like us to cover. We'd love to talk about it, even if it's in a Patreon episode. We would love to do that. Uh, So until next time, I am Todd. I am Wes. Go watch some movies. coming out of you <laughs> that was great i loved that wait a minute you don't have it's like how do you produce it well it's kind of like i love how he explained that actually i don't think about it's breathing great. yeah you think about breathing right uh, I maybe, maybe you do right now <laughs>